Welcome to this episode of Revolution and Ideology. I am Nick. I'm Jared. And in this episode, we are talking about the different scenarios that could potentially lead to civil war in the United States as a result of the 2020 election. Uh, we're basically motivated to have this conversation because this has been by far the most requested uh, discussion that we've had. I've had so many previous and current students and family members and just people on the internet asking me about what I think the potential for civil war is in the United States uh, right now, just because of everything that is going on. So that basically is why we are sort of motivated to have this conversation. Do you have anything to add to that? Same, same. Uh, students, both past and present, are asking these questions. They're putting it sometimes embedded within the various assignments that we assign for you know various U.S. history classes that I teach. It's embedded in the assignments um, in certain ways, sometimes a little bit clandestinely, but it's there. Um, and it is a conversation that a lot of people are having, even on the comments of this podcast. Uh, there was at least one or two, I want to mm -hmm. say two, three different comments where people are essentially asking us, are we going to do a podcast on this? Uh, or are we just kind of keep dancing around issues? And yeah. so here we are. Um, additionally, uh, when we started to do just a little bit of research, just some surface level research on this, this is apparently not just like a, a, a question that is uh, local or for us anecdotal in terms of the people we know. Um, it looks like Boston University kind of kicked off this conversation back in 2019. So even before things kind of flew off the rails with COVID and, and this summer of, of, of protests and reverse protests and so on and so forth. Um, we have uh, abc.net in Australia. In fact, there's three Australian sources. So people in Australia, news sources in Australia, watching from afar, literally across the Pacific Ocean, what's going on in the United States and asking this question. Um, they have one that says a model forecast. The U.S. current unrest um, from a decade ago might be pointing towards civil, rule, uh, civil war. The Independent in the U.K., um, has a article titled The Second American, American Civil War is Underway. Um, uh, Independent Australia says America could be heading towards its second civil war. Uh, is the United States on the brink of another civil war comes to us by byline times. Um, even Wikipedia now has an entry on it, which is super weird, but, um, <laughs> CNN, uh, back in July said America is on the brink, uh, like none since the U S civil war. It was an opinion piece, but it's still on CNN. Um, one of the more interesting ones that I thought is only eight hours old right now. So we... I, we're not even using this one as, as inspiration because we had already started to kind of do a little bit of background research before this, but this one's only eight hours old, so The Hill beat us. But yeah, The Hill, a relatively conservative site. So Thomas Friedman to CNN, U.S. potentially heading to Second Civil War. So it's, it's on the tip of a lot of people's tongues. We felt we needed to at least talk about it. Other preface that you yeah, we want to include. Yeah, the first thing is like, I don't want this to be all doom and gloom like we predict a civil war is going to happen. We both agree that a civil war is very, very, very unlikely, uh, regardless of what happens in this election. Uh, so that's the first thing. I don't want people to like click on this video or why and think like we think that like we're headed for civil war. Like this is an info wars episode, right? Like I don't think that's going to happen, but we just want to talk about the possibilities. Um, the other thing is we are definitely not calling for a civil war. I think it's easy to get Nor do we, we remotely want one. That no, is, exactly. yeah, that I level, yeah. Very, very few people want there to be violence that occurs to resolve the issues in society. Despite what the people on the right believe about the people on the left and the people on the left believe about the people on the right and so on. Like, just if we look statistically, the vast majority of everyone wants peace 
and the res- the peaceful resolution of any issue that's going on in society. They don't agree on issues, but I I'm still we're not ready to say that the majority of right or left views violence as the answer. We're not yeah, ready to say that. That's not a thing. Yeah. That's not to say there aren't people that want violence, but that it's such a very small minority of any position on the political spectrum that like it's just ridiculous. Um the vast majority of everyone want uh, nonviolent resolutions. In fact, I I'd be hard pressed. There's just like sliver sex out there, right? That would want, like, we want violence. Even if the nonviolent resolution is possible, we just want violence. Like, that's not a thing, really, despite what you might believe about people on the opposite side of political spectrum. It's just not a thing. Um, yeah. We are using two sources for this uh, as our main sources of research which uh, we will definitely link in the show notes so everyone can read them. The first one, it's only first because it's the first one that we read. It was an article that was published on Medium by a game designer by the name of Mike Selinker. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it's potentially not. Um, And the title is, A War Game Designer Defines Our Four Possible Civil Wars. Um, Mike's bio, he says he's a game and puzzle designer, author, and amateur firebrand. So he wrote this article, but his article was analyzing a report that was done by this group called the Transition Integrity Project, and their report was called the uh, Preventing a Disrupted Presidential Election and Transition. This is a quote from the beginning of their report, so you know what it's about. They said, in June 2020, the Transition Integrity Project convened a bipartisan group of over 100 current and former senior government and campaign leaders and other experts in a series of 2020 election crisis scenario planning exercises. So what they did basically was got these experts together, uh, over a hundred of them, and they basically played out different scenarios of what will happen in uh, based on different election outcomes. So like, if there's a Biden blowout, what will all of the different interested parties do? What will Trump and his administration do, et cetera? And so they did this uh, a lot of different times and came up with like what they view as the probabilities for uh, is there going to be violence in the streets? Is there going to be a civil war? What does the transition of power look like? And so on. Uh, they did that first. And then Mike Selinker wrote his article based upon that report. And in some places he agrees and in some places he disagrees. And I'm sure that we will both agree and disagree with many parts of both of those uh, sources. So that's basically what we're going off of and what's motivated us to do this uh, episode. The other uh, sort of just preface item I want to talk about and the uh, Transition Integrity Project, TIP, talks about this in their report, is that one of the reasons this election is so unique is because that so much of the voting is going to be done by ballot, way more than any election in the past. Mail-in. Mail-in, yeah. Yeah, it's all going to be ballot. But yeah, (laughs) mail-in ballot is... That this concept of election night is like no longer really a thing. The the idea that you could, you know, you're going to watch, tune into television and by the time you go to bed at midnight or 2 a.m. or whatever, you're going to know who the president is going forward. Like that's not a thing uh, because of the, the major, so many of the ballots are going to be mail-in that that's just not going to happen. So it could be like a week or two after the polls close before we even know what the real results are. But this... This allows, it creates the space for like contesting the election before it's decided and like all these things that are what's going to potentially uh, create an issue. 
So I think it's just interesting to think about that, that this sort of tradition of election night, like in November in the United States, is like not a thing anymore, really. Yeah, I mean, you have this perfect storm, of course, of of, of the COVID context and mm-hmm. everything being distance. And of course, everything taking a little bit more time because of that distance. And uh, obviously, that social distancing leading to alienation of individuals and perhaps maybe right and left dehumanizing the other and not seeing them as like people anymore. And maybe that's why some of these pundits think that, think that violence might be the answer. And then you tie that in with the actual what i was just talking about a political divide that as as predominantly a u.s historian we've always had political divide but even i'm willing to admit at this point that the division is a little bit more entrenched than it has been in the past and we're no longer again debating uh uh, uh social welfare programs versus uh conservative uh, uh fiscal economic policy you know circa you know the 1960s or something along those lines it's ooh, I, did i just say the 60s is like politically not ah whatever forget <laughs> everything i just said about the 60s no um Maybe we'll move past the 60s into like the 70s yes. or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Maybe even the 80s, although that's a whole different different, different can of worms I'm opening. But regardless, really what I'm trying to spit out here, as somebody that's kind of observed this process historically uh, since 1776 on, observed like I lived there, but yeah. um, has studied. With my time machine. Yeah, with my time machine. No, um, it is a political divide that that is rare. Um, it's not unheard of, but it is rare, at least in the United States. Um, so, yeah. That's, yeah. that's part of the context here. And I think that's what has a lot of these people on edge, whether we're talking about these internal um, sources, like, you know, what we're seeing here, or even, like I said, to the point where uh, other countries around the world are looking and are curious enough to where they're writing about it and talking about it. And I mean, we're so- also in a, like, social milieu that is unique for our lifetimes, for sure, with this, like, sustained amount of protests that's just continuous at this point. Right. Like we we saw like the Rodney King riots and like but those were just like isolated events for the most part. Like in our lifetimes, we have never seen where I mean, it's been months now of just continuous protests in the streets against mostly police brutality. But it's just all and to ensure my backtrack and my comment about the 60s. Yeah, we haven't seen that kind of consistent um, activism um, since since probably the 1960s. Yeah, for sure. So it's easy for people to think like in these terms, right? Like, are we headed for civil war? Like people are in the streets constantly, right? So like, that's on the tip of everyone's tongue, like you said earlier. Okay, let's jump into the first scenario. The first one is a Biden blowout. So this is the quote from the Transition Integrity Project report. They are not too worried uh, if this one happens. They basically say, uh, not basically, this is a direct quote. In this scenario, Biden won outright in the Electoral College and the popular vote. The Trump campaign initially contested the outcome of the vote. Once it became clear that efforts to overturn that outcome were unlikely to succeed, the Trump campaign pivoted to a strategy of self-preservation and limiting future legal liability. So for this one, the Transition Integrity Project predicts that initially Trump will contest the results, the Trump campaign. But once it becomes clear that like that's not possible, that Biden definitely won by a blowout, that Trump will then become completely self-serving and that the administration will start to do things before they leave office, like ensure the legal protection of, of him and all of his staff and invest as much as they can into Trump's personal businesses and so on. I don't know how likely that either is either, but at least they predict that like it won't be a political um, contest anymore, that eventually Trump will just concede. However, Mike Selinker completely agrees with this. In fact, he says that's nonsense. He says, in this case, Biden will have the authority to be seated as president. Trump can fight it, but it will require states decertifying their own electors to give him a fraudulent majority. 
They might do it out of loyalty to the death cult. It'll be up to the Supreme Court to decide whether a state that voted for a candidate can have its votes changed by their legislature or governor. I think there will be at best uh, there will at best be four votes for that because Chief Justice Roberts hates Trump's overreach and Neil Gorsuch is too independent. Even if Trump stalls out the Electoral College deadline of November 14th, the Democrats will have gained a thin majority of delegations in the House too, and they'll put in Joe. In that case, the military will not let Trump stay after January 20. It's not clear whether he'll leave in a helicopter, in handcuffs, or in a body bag, but the point is he will leave. So what do you think about this one? It's dark towards the end there regarding like the potentiality, but um, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, it really depends on, on, on the uh, political apparatuses at both the federal and, as, as he pointed out, the state levels and their belief in, in this – I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm not the most patriotic guy around, but their belief in constitutional processes that have been in place for a very long period of time. Right. Um, and how much integrity they they base into those institutions versus well he uses a, a term what did he use death cult or something but yeah. they're but basically their their new neo political ideology which one weighs more importantly is it their is it the appeal to tradition and law or is it the appeal to um, in this case quasi populism yeah, I, I, I don't even know po- yeah. Yeah, I, I don't even know that I want to use populism because because in this scenario, he yeah. lost the popular vote. So it's not even populism, maybe yeah. just belief in a very specific and very narrow ideology, which is more important to these state legislatures and which one ends up being more important in this case. Also, he uses the military. He throws the military in there. What's more important to uh, service members in all five branches of military? Um where do their loyalties lie? Well, in theory, they are sworn to protect the United States Constitution, and in that case, it would be their duty to protect a peaceful transfer of power. Mm-hmm. Especially if, like, it's a Biden blowout, like it, like it says, right? Like, we'll get to the contested result in a second, but yeah, I think that, yeah, I think you, you nailed it. I don't think the military is going to do anything out of the ordinary if it's a, if it actually is a Biden blowout. But Trump's whole campaign. They also talk about in the Transition Integrity Project report how we have to understand that Trump is not running a traditional re-election campaign. That's he's starting to use the discourse that is beginning to open the door for questioning the legitimacy of the election. Like that is his campaign strategy, right? Correct. It's not to out-debate Biden and to gain popular support. A fundamental pillar of his campaign strategy is to delegitimize the election, right? So he's setting it up for all kinds of interesting outcomes. But in this case, this is if Biden uh, just has a blowout win. The Transition Integrity Project basically thinks that if this were to happen, Republicans will essentially concede and take this blowout victory as sort of indication that they have lost rightfully and legally and like they will move on uh, to fight another day. What do you think about that? (sighs) I mean, it's unpredictable right now. Um, I do think that, well, again, it depends on, like like I said, it depends on the integrity of the individual. And at that point, it's not just the individual politicians, but the mass amount of followers, right? Mm -hmm. Let's pretend it's a relatively 50-50 split. Like, so 50% of the constituents of the United States would also have to concede that in this case, they they lost by the rules that have been in place for a very long period of time. Mm -hmm. Are they willing to, and and the irony here is it is a party that, that 
that says its its foremost loyalty is to that document um, and all of the uh, amendments to that document that have taken place over the last 250-ish years. Are they willing to kind of stand behind that integrity or is that integrity merely a facade? And that's right. the question that neither myself nor Nick can answer, nor either of these sources. I well, I think that we have to... I want to believe that. I want to believe that. We also have to split up the political spectrum, right? Like your normally fiscally conservative Republican is going to go along with whatever the results are. Yes. Same with Correct. your normal sort of liberal, right? Both right. of those groups are always going to fall in line with whatever the results of the election are. What we're really trying to talk about is what are the extremists going to do, right? And that's the biggest wild card, right? So let's say there's a Biden blowout. What is the extreme right going to do? I don't know. I, I think it's very unpredictable. I don't know. I think it's unpredictable. Uh, I mean, I think it's very clear that the extreme left, if Biden wins by a blowout, they're not going to, why would they go protest in the streets or something? Well, so that's here's the thing happen. that needs to be clarified. And I don't, one thing that neither of these sources really articulates is, is uh, and, and this podcast doesn't really endorse any anything, but regardless is how fractured the left is in their backing of Biden. And that's one thing that I think that is kind of lost on these results. Like left-leaning in the United States is actually not left-leaning really anywhere else in the world. It would actually be relatively moderate, if not a little bit conservative in most of the other places in the world. But we'll, we'll, we'll stay away from that argument for right now. The left itself. So if, 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 it's often posited that the United States election being basically not, I mean, really only two realistic parties with a chance at executive power is always a choosing of the lesser of two evils for whatever side. Well, the left has it like multiple times. They're stuck always choosing between the left, uh, the lesser of two evils um, just merely for candidacy and then stuck choosing another lesser of two evils right. for actual presidential election. So I must stress that like the the extreme left is not happy with Biden already. That that's 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 mm-hmm. pretty they they have been adamant about that from all different sectors of the far left and Biden is not cutting it for them. So the question now is are those is the, is the extreme left willing to even settle and cast their vote for Biden or are they going to just not vote at all? That's a big question that I mm-hmm. think neither of the sources is really addressing because the extreme right. left has a strong distaste for Joe Biden, um, mm-hmm. and and perhaps rightfully so. I mean, but, the radical left has extreme distaste for electoral politics in general. Yeah, for sure. Right. So I think that the question regarding the left is is also much more nuanced than 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 a lot of us are willing to admit. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. We see the. Terms, I mean, do we see like like there were protests when Trump got elected from the left? Do we see that with Biden? From the left? Mm-hmm. I, maybe. I mean, it comes back to this idea of like harm reduction, which is a, a catchphrase now on the left as people on the left are debating, like, do we vote for just more neoliberalism um, to protect ourselves from more extreme measures that they are afraid of from the Trump administration? Or do they try and find solutions outside the system themselves? That's That's been a debate on the left for uh, at least the last four years, if not much longer than that. But it, it's definitely ramped up a lot more in the last yeah. four years. One thing I hadn't I don't considered... Know what, I, don't, I don't know if we can predict how the left will react yeah. in that case. And I don't know that we can predict how the... I mean, they're extreme. Both sides are extreme for a reason. Extreme left versus extreme right. We don't know how either might react in a Biden blowout. The thing that's so interesting speak. is I think that the we might not see... So in the scenario of a Biden blowout, I think we might not see protests against the election results or the new person being president. Maybe the right will be like, you know, Biden's not my president type thing. 
But I wonder if the violence will rear its ugly head in the protests against police brutality that are going to continue. So like, let's say the extreme right won't go protest against Biden winning the election, but they will ramp up their efforts in counter protesting the left's initiatives against police brutality. I could see that I mean, it's possible. for sure. Yeah, it's possible for sure. Okay, let's move on to the next one. This is a close Biden win. So not a blowout, but if Biden basically ekes through. So the Transition Integrity Project says, the final scenario explored a narrow Biden. This is final for them because we're going out of order of their report. This scenario explored a narrow Biden win where he leads with less than 1% of the popular vote the day after the election and is predicted to win 278 electoral votes. Fox News is among the major networks that caused the election for Biden though the Trump campaign does not concede, setting up an intense competition that concludes with an uneasy and combative but ultimately successful transition. So that's the TIP, Transition Integrity Project. Mike Selinker says, This is a scenario where the Democrats scrape out a close win for the presidency to get 50 senators, including Arizona's Mark Kelly, who is seated in November because of his special election status. And the GOP hasn't quite gotten a replacement into Ginsburg's chair just yet. Trump calls foul and refuses to leave. He swears he should not only be president for 2021 term, but for eight more years after that because of the dirty Democrats' dirty tricks. The Congress is gridlocked. He doesn't budge and America freaks the hell out. And then he so, continues. So how do I guess the one question I have of this source is how do they come up with that specific response by uh, by by Donald Trump in that case? I don't know that. Well, so we so, need to clarify the Transition Integrity Project is a group of experts that got together and they basically played out the war game, the simulations of what would happen. So you guys are the Supreme Court. You are Trump's administration. You're Biden. You're the Senate, right? And then they played out, well, the Senate would do this in this scenario and Trump's administration would do this. And, well, we're going to do this as like the Supreme Court and so on. Selinker is just a dude that's a yeah. game designer that's commenting on this. I don't actually think he even has any, he has less expertise than us on social movement, social change and politics. Let's right. be honest. Yes. So like, we're just taking him with a grain of salt of like, this is his commentary on the TIP report. Okay. So I just want to make that clear. I, I just wanted to make that clear yeah. that this is basically an op-ed piece um, yeah, exactly. that, that we're analyzing. I just yeah. want to make that clear because again, there is no specific computer generated algorithm where that, that computer says Trump will be like, I want to be elected exactly. uh, or yeah. I want one more year through 2021. And then I'm going to require eight more years. Like there's no, this is an Just opinion pieced by yeah. this dude. Exactly. Okay. So in my opinion, this is the most scary one that has the most potentiality for violence in some manifestation, if not civil war, if we're going to keep using that term, where there's a close Biden win that can be contested by Trump and where Trump then will use the narrative that he's been building uh, his entire political life on for the past uh, since he's been in the political spotlight that the system is corrupt and the election was not legitimate and so on. And he can then get his followers, you know, whipped up into a fever about this and try to make a claim to stay in office. What do you think? What happens? I have no idea. Uh, I, I don't. I don't have the wherewithal nor the certifications to psychoanalyze uh, this individual, nor his cabinet, or anything along those lines. I don't know. I mean, if any indication by recent quotes over the last two days, those of you that are following the news, if those are any indication that that he and the and his his cabinet are going to peacefully cede um, power, it's not looking good. It will be contested. Um, I think we both agree with that, that mm -hmm. a close Biden election would be contested. 
I fall back on uh, my credentials as a historian um, and looking at U.S. political history. There have been contested results in the past, um, and they're contested by what at the time we would argue were very divided groups of people, and yet we still didn't plunge our way fully into civil war in some cases, although there is the actual civil war that we must discuss as Mm -hmm. well regarding, of course, Abraham Lincoln, um, and then, of course, the complete new government set up uh, in Richmond under Jefferson Davis. So there is that, there's that scenario, but then there's scenario about like the Jeffersonian transition of power or even super recently the uh, 2000 election, which went from, uh, uh, I don't even want to opine on this, but let's just say Gore probably should have won, but did concede and there wasn't a civil war. So they talk um, about specifically like, Exactly that, right? Gore ended up conceding. He could have contested that much, much harder and longer. And they asked the question here, like, is Biden the politician that will really stand up and challenge and, like, be the hardcore challenger if the election becomes contested? Like, will he fight it out to the very so, end? So, yeah, the, the article posits that, that Gore cowered a little bit, mm-hmm. that, go, that Gore cowered out um, to uh, certainly uh, very impactful historical events that because of his cowering out, those of you that know what happened after 2000, um, definitely some major results there. I, I don't know if it would have been better or worse under Gore what happened um, mm-hmm. uh, from basically like 2000 through 2008, but it, it yeah. So what do you think? Would Biden fight to the end? I don't picture Biden as a fighter. Uh, I don't, <laughs> Me neither. I don't picture uh, uh, Kamal Harris as 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 somebody that would be willing to kind of like I don't know, you know. And as as a VP uh, candidate, I don't even know that she would have like kind of the the, the power or the mm-hmm. backing to also. I mean, I I would believe in her more than I would believe in Joe Biden right. by like a wide margin. Um, here, let me just be blunt. I'll just flat out say it. I don't believe in the Democratic Party's wherewithal to fight anything. I, I, I guess I'm letting my cat out of the bag. I would be one of those 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 individuals that thinks that that party is just dead in the water at this point. Here's the interesting thing: um, it's is that I, I don't Republican think the Republican Party is not united in this case either. There's so many of them that do not support Trump that we can't even say that like the Congress would also be hardcore and the Republican party is like this United entity that would fight for this. Right. Just like the Democrats. I think both parties are divided right now, which is interesting. I think the Democrats much more so than the Republicans in this case. Uh, and like I said, I, I'm not a believer in either by any stretch of the imagination. And I've been spending my whole life choosing between lessers of evils. Um, and I'm tired of that. But, um, but in this specific case, I just, they just don't have a spine. And that is my, that would be a, f- a real fear uh, for those of us that want things to just calm, calm, calm the hell down for a little bit. I mean, is, as much as you and yeah. I might have a disdain for electoral politics, I guarantee you Bernie would have fought to the end. Bernie like he would Sanders, have died fighting. We're not even huge Bernie Sanders fans, but yes, he would have been a much, much better option than, than Joe Biden. Right. I, I will agree with you on that. And yes, there would have been much more of a spine and much more teeth. At this point, the guy is just a guy. He's basically running on the campaign that I'm not the guy in office right exactly. now. That is He's making... like a mannequin. That's what I think of every time I see I just... Joe Biden doing anything. So, so basically, we're relying on the fact of what I just said. We're hoping that everybody is just tired of, of constant unease and, and constant conflict. The funny thing and... is that he's like a perfect... <laughs> 
Like he's like a perfect symbol of the Democratic Party, right? We don't even have a platform anymore. We're just like we're not the other side. That's it. So vote for us because Which is of that. sad. Like yeah. and that's why I have no faith in right. their ability to kind of stand up to any sort of contestation. Mm-hmm. So All right. The next one is an ambiguous result. So the Transition Integrity Project says this scenario uh this is the scenario in which the outcome of the election remained unclear from election night and throughout the gameplay the election outcome turned on results of three states north carolina michigan and florida different combinations of outcomes from those states could result in a range of final election results including uh 269 to 269 electoral college tie a blue shift occurred during the game whereby what initially looked like a Trump win shifted in the second turn to looking like a Biden win. So where they're running their simulation uh, over and over again, this is shifting back and forth. So there's no clear winner, like literally. Um, they continue, the outcome of the scenario hinged on how the elected officials from the two parties addressed the separate slate of electors from Michigan. GOP officials asserted that as the president of the Senate, Vice President Pence could legally choose to accept or reject electors as he wished. There was no clear resolution of the conflict in the January 6th joint session of Congress. The partisans on both sides were still claiming victory, leading to the problem of two claims to commander-in-chief power, including access to the nuclear codes at noon on January 20th. So legit in their simulation, there was no like outcome or resolution to this. Like It continued to be uh, contested. Mike Selenker, so he's just the guy the game designer that's commenting on this. He says, in the scenario where a constitutional crisis leaves the presidency open to January 20th, with both sides claiming it, the out-of-power party will have to take to the streets. This administration has made clear that it will put down rebellion fiercely. So the goal of the insurgent group has to be to sever the loyalty between the military and the administration. That is typically known as terrorism, and Americans don't have much stomach for it, uh, for that in their streets. This revolution will be televised and every element of it will be a recruitment video for one side or the other. I have no real additional commentary. I believe he's right. A, a, a quote unquote tie or an ambiguous result or whatever they're calling it there uh, basically means a bare minimum of, of probably four more years and, and still not. A, the point of this video is to talk about potentiality for civil war. I actually don't. I, I think the Democrats would just lay down. No, okay. that's exactly. What I was yeah, they would say. lay down. I think the odds of the left. Yeah. actually organizing themselves into into the streets in a concerted effort to try to challenge Trump staying in office in this scenario is slim to none. Well, and, and, and that's not even meant to like fully uh, derogate the left in this case, but I do think that would give license. The other thing is it gives license to the right to be to double down on the already unconstitutional militancy that is taking place. And I think that's why. I mean, let's be honest. In this scenario, one side will have the full brunt of the military at their disposal. And so, yes, that is not, that's not actually ripe for civil war, if I'm honest with you. Like, I don't know any individual, uh, no matter how extreme left you are, that is willing to, to, to take on the United States military. And the United States military, in that case, since that is the sitting president, and they are sworn to, I mean, he's the commander-in-chief. So you get the idea. I, well, so, that's the thing that's key in this one, is that it's, that it's ambiguous, that there is no clear winner, right? But he's sitting if, already, and exactly, that, that that's matters. that's the thing. So... If Biden is the clear winner and Trump refuses to leave, then I think the left has much more of a chance of going to the streets and fighting that result. 
Here, there is no real winner. Trump's already sitting in office. So the left, I think, then becoming motivated to go violently oust him out of office against the military and all that's, of the right. They're not going to do that. Yeah, I feel like that's they're, they're, incredibly they're, unlikely. They're not going to do that. And I, I wouldn't, like I said, I, I don't know that I would fault them for that. What are you bringing sticks to a drone fight? That's that's not going to go well. So yeah. you can't ask people to go run out in the streets and die. It's just, yeah. So the I mean, reason throughout history, right? It lends itself to whoever ends up getting the military on their side the odds are that they will win in the conflict, right? Correct. And in this case, like I said, I just don't, I don't see that. I actually don't see that as an opportunity for civil war. I actually don't. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, that's the, that's what we're talking about right here. So um, that specific scenario. Okay. The last one is a clear Trump win. So the transition integrity project says in this scenario, a comfortable electoral college for victory for president Trump, they anticipate 286 to 252, but also a significant popular vote win, uh, 52% to 47% for former Biden. So this, they're even saying they think Biden is going to win the popular vote, uh, potentially. It's going to be close, but that Trump will uh, overwhelmingly win the Electoral College. It says this one for them ends in a constitutional crisis with threats of succession and the potential for either a decline into authoritarianism or a radically revamped set of democratic rules that ensure the popular will uh, prevail. Abolishment of the Electoral College, making D.C. and Puerto Rico states, and other changes. So they think that if this happens, where Trump wins the Electoral College handily, but Biden is at least close in the popular vote, that this will motivate people to uh, try to abolish the Electoral College and so on. So Selenker says, in his opinion, this is actually the worst. He says, I saved the worst for last. In this scenario, Trump clearly, though probably not without some voter suppression, again, this is an op-ed piece, wins a narrow majority and the Democrats don't take the Senate. Ginsburg is replaced because Trump has a mandate. Biden and his fellow moderates are blamed for blowing the election, whether or not it was actually their fault. It would be. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) This is the opposite scenario of the Biden blowout. The Democrats collapse and progressives become really, really angry. Those who voted green or stayed home are called out and threatened. The Sanders wing leaves the party for good. You know, normal political stuff. If that's all that would happen in this scenario, we could live with it. But that's not going to happen. Republicans won't be content with a win. They will burn every civil right they can they can find. Trump's Hitler youth-like patriotic education plan will become a reality. Gun control will become a remnant of history. A disillusioned left will become exactly what Fox News wants them to be, violent. The president will be thrilled to meet fire with an inferno. This guy's a little more doom and gloom than than Obviously, I'm willing to go. Yeah. I just, you know, am I supportive of the the current regime? Not really, uh, at all. Um, but yeah, I was gonna say not really. Right? Yeah, not <laughs> not even remotely. Um, but I mean, this guy's talking about like, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's talking about full blown like Gestapo, like mm-hmm. slash SS, like yeah. I I don't see that here. I actually I, think this is the. Scenario, the outcome that has the least possibility for like massive violence and civil war. Well, yes. So people are going to be pissed. The left will protest. I mean, it'll be widespread, but right. It's not the the right isn't going to just. I, I don't think that it's going to happen. I just don't see it. If there's a clear, if Trump yeah, if wins, we're answering the specific question, and that is what this is about, whether you agree or disagree with what we're saying regarding right-left politics or their morals or ethics or or, or ideals on what should be, so be it. But we're just trying to answer that question that everyone is asking: civil war or not? This is not right for civil war either. And in this case, it's because the the left already neutered um, would be even more neutered. 
Mm-hmm. It's that simple. Um, so let's and go. it would then it would it would finally implode upon itself, which might actually be a good thing. And a new party, in theory, could rise. I, I, uh, I don't know that. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's a good thing that the left. It's the, super interesting to to see what's going to happen to the actual left, not like the Democratic Party, the actual left. What's going to happen after this election, and to see what's going to happen to the Democratic Party after this election, because if they literally like, if they don't win, even if it's close. And they don't look at themselves and realize, like, we are a joke, then I don't know what is going to make them do that. Like, seriously. Yeah. So we don't know that it's ripe for civil war, nor do we even want this scenario, because the one thing I would argue that that he was correct about in his his doomsday nonsense that he was rambling on about wasn't like Gestapo-style stuff or whatever, and he doesn't use that term, that's mine, but regardless, that's what— authoritarian. Yeah, but that's what he sound—that's what he's alluding to. I don't don't think that's a possibility, but I do agree with that first part. I do think a lot of the progressive legislation, and when I say progressive, like any legislation basically from like 1964 or 65 on would be scaled back. Abortion rights are gone. I do think that is a very scary possibility. Mm -hmm. Um, That I would—that I do think he's right about. Um, But that— but that that's although not the I will say like like you said I don't think Gestapo is going to happen but those things happening are going to lead to more protests by the left and like it says here he will the administration will happily fight those protests in the street and that is the scary part because again we're already seeing um, again the the clear the clear breaks the ethical breaks not just the constitutional breaks with how they are handling um, freedom of speech freedom of protest. Um, freedom of redress of grievances. In case you're wondering, I am literally citing parts of the First Amendment here. No, no issue violating those. Now, that would be a problem for all people fighting for equity in any way um, moving forward with with this scenario. And that is that's the scary part. That doesn't mean, again, to answer the very specific question, civil war, yes or no? It's still a no, but it's not. This scenario is not necessarily a scenario that bodes well for anybody that is seeking some sort of progressive agenda of any kind, um, and and right. it will be squashed violently. And and neither of us support that one hundred percent. So that's why this scenario is is scary. It is a scary scenario. Okay, so a clear Trump win, not a good scenario, but doesn't lead to civil war. Um, an ambiguous or contested result where there's no real clear winner, we also don't think will lead to civil war because the sitting president will have the monopoly on power. Both uh, lead to a trampling of rights, mind you. Yes, but- 100%. A close Biden win, I don't also think leads to a civil war. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. So the ones that I think have the biggest possibility of leading to civil war are the Biden wins. The Biden blowout is less likely, I think, to lead to civil war than the close Biden win, because the close Biden win plays exactly into what Trump is setting up already, which is the narrative of the illegitimate election and like and so on. So I think out of all of the scenarios, the probably most likely to lead to a civil war is a close Biden win. Now, just again, like we don't think that's going to happen. But of those scenarios, I do think that's probably the most likely. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I would agree with that scenario. And like I said, we, we can just hope that doesn't happen and that cooler heads prevail and that there is a peaceful transition of power. The although although is, we're not counting on that because for the last two days, dude's been backpedaling on peaceful transition of power. Like already, and Nick's been pretty clear about this, again, like backpedaling um, in terms of like denigrating what mail-in voting is, in terms of not even willing to commit, like verbally commit. Wait, let's be blunt. When someone directly asks a president if they will com- 
commit to a transful, uh, peaceful transition of power if they lose the election. And their response is, we'll have to wait and see. What are we doing, America? Like, seriously, neither Jared or I are like patriotic by any means uh, uh, at all. But like, seriously, a president of the United States has says, well, I can't commit to a peaceful transition of power. We'll just have to see how it plays out. Are you serious? And, and if you are one of the few listeners that we get from, 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 from a certain political ideology, and you know who you are, um, we don't get a lot of like far-right listeners, I'm willing to bet, or, or we don't appeal to that necessarily, that demographic. But if you happen to be one of those people, and you do sit here and kind of pontificate about your support for the United States Constitution um, and everything Americana, ask yourself, would you be cool with that, with basically this complete trampling of everything it is that you say you believe in? Would you so, be cool with it? Here's what I will say. We both agree that the greatest possibility for civil war is a close Biden win. I still think that possibility is very, very slim. The thing that I am worried about is a close Biden win is probably the most likely outcome. If we look at what the polls are saying and what's going on and like we've been burned by the polls before, so who knows. But the predictions are that it's going to be a close Biden win. The most likely outcome is a close Biden win, which also happens to be, in our opinion, the most likely chance of civil war. Again, I think that's a very slim chance, but it's interesting to think about. The last thing I want to talk about is, regardless of the election, just the fact that, like you said, we haven't seen this level of sort of discourse taking place in the streets since the 1960s. Regardless of politics, like that... Like the- I want to stress, actually, and in the 1960s aren't even the best example. Again, as, as the historian here, yes, we had like nonstop protests in the, in, in, in the streets in the 60s, whether they were anti-war, whether it was for black power or red power or the brown berets or women's rights or... I mean, we can even go into the 70s with Stonewall. Um, but, but there wasn't... Even then, the divide was different. There weren't, to be blunt, far right, in certain cases white supremacist militias at these mm-hmm. that Agreed. is a huge difference and it is it is sort of uh reveals that divide agree like it, um at least the not opposition in, is much more i would argue organized at least not in towards, the streets at this point at least not towards the end of the 60s and especially in some of these like more like northernly or westernly cities um I mean, if we think about the 1950s and, and early 60s, I would definitely say you could see it with the flat out just KKK showing up, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, in, in the South. But everywhere else, that wasn't the case. Now we're starting to see it. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, some of these articles that I just cited at the very beginning of the episode are positing maybe like there's also a geographic divide, urban versus rural or coast versus central. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's I, the thing that's really unique that we talk about extensively in the revolutions class is just the just the geographical area of the United States that it's really, really difficult for, I, we, we talk about how it would be really hard for a revolution to happen in the United States, just because getting a mass of people in one area would yeah. be very difficult because it's such a huge country. Right. So if it's going down in Washington, DC, it's going to be really, really hard to get millions and millions and millions and millions and tens of millions of people into DC when, where the revolution is happening where that's not such a challenge in other countries that have historically had revolutions because they're just geographically smaller. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that, that could be part of it, too. And the divides there, like I said, I mean... Although now that I think about that, Russia had a revolution that was legitimate and it's massive, but whatever. The population's concentrated But it was urban. Cities. No, yeah. that, that I mean, that Russian revolution was urban. I mean, it was taking place mostly in Petrograd and, yeah. and Moscow. And then that the, the revolution kind of... Tr- they've 
in some ways, we would argue they forced their revolutionary ideals on the rural population mm-hmm. after the revolution had already been won. We could we could definitely say that. I mean, at the time, even more so, but still now, the vast majority of Russia, even though it's a huge geographical expanse, was concentrated in the cities. Right. That's not the case to that extent in the United States. Um, well, no. And like I said, regarding divide, even though, like I said, we can cite specific instances over and over again in the American South during the civil rights era of KKK counter protests or even rallies of their own, it was pretty concentrated in the South. Uh, like there were like some small flare ups in New York City or Detroit or even a little bit in Los Angeles uh, or Newark. Um but not to the level we're seeing there. There are definitely different groups marching. There are definitely polar opposite groups marching in the streets of cities. Um, seems like every other week uh, these days. And uh, and for various different reasons. Some people just want a haircut and eat Applebee's. Uh, other people are trying not to die um, at the hands of police officers. So, And obviously we're completely overgeneralizing. But like I feel like... For the most part, in the 1960s... Like we can look at the videos of like the Greensboro sit-ins and like... The opponents there were like other white college students that were spitting and throwing food, etc. They weren't organized right-wing militias. I think that's the difference. That today, that exists. That's a thing. The right is very organized and very armed, and they will be there at the drop of a hat. Um, but yeah, back to the original uh, uh, question that we're seeking to answer. Civil, civil war, yay or nay, is it possible? We don't necessarily think so. I mean, it's definitely possible. It's well, very, very sp- likely. Like, I guess I should likely, use the term yeah. likely. I is think it, it's is it likely? unlikely. Let's just hope not, because it's not going to go like, well for anybody. I don't know. The way that we posited this question is just going through the election results. I am interested in talking about after the election, based on who wins. I think if Biden wins, then many people on the left that consider themselves to be radicalized right now, and I don't mean like actually radicalized, I mean like, you know, liberal. If Biden wins, those people stop fighting because they think that they've won, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, like Biden won a Democrat and we have like a black woman VP, like we're good, right? The liberals win. And I think they stop fighting. So I think if Biden wins that a lot of the left becomes complacent, honestly. Mm-hmm. I am actually more afraid of if Trump wins and the left keeps fighting and keeps ramping up the pressure and keeps being out in the streets and protesting and keeps fighting against police brutality and so on. And then the current administration, who will continue their administration, keeps ramping up the violent oppression of those protests. I think that actually, over time, has a more likely outcome of civil war. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, again, it's just a question that, that as we kind of started this episode with, that has come to us at so many different angles. From, from students to family members to friends to neighbors to even, like I said, we're reading a bunch of articles uh, coming out of the UK and Australia specifically. I didn't research beyond that, but I'm willing to bet there's other countries that are mm-hmm. also watching and, and, and see that this might be a time of unrest. And that's a scenario we didn't even talk about, but we don't have time anymore. What would another nation do watching oh, this? Oh, that's a good thing yeah. I wanted to bring up too. Right? Do you want to talk about it now? Or, no, yeah, or? I do. I think we need okay. to because that's we're extending a massive... the episode, everybody. We knew this was going to be long anyways. Yeah. We... That's a huge, huge variable in each of these outcomes. So let's go through that real fast. So I think in a Biden blowout, no one does anything, right? None of the yeah. allied countries of the United States care about that. Russia will be upset, but they're not going to like invade the United States or back Trump or anything. Like that's not going to happen. Um, a clear Trump win, also nothing's going to happen. There's no reason for any other country to get involved or do anything. I don't think that. An ambiguous and contested result 
I still don't think that they get involved because we have a sitting president, right? There's already someone in office and it's not like he's refusing to leave. He's just saying, yeah, it, I'm already in office and the result is unknown. So I'm going to stay in office. Yes. The one time I could think maybe that some other country could get involved if there's a close Biden win and Trump absolutely refuses to leave office. That it's possible. I don't know why they would need to, because I feel like the U.S. military can handle that on their own. But that's the only scenario I could possibly see where, like, one of our allies might get involved. Where I think it would be more to medi- protect the to be clear. Process. I think it would be more maybe medi- mediation than any sort of military yeah, involvement. I, I don't think that any other nation would probably risk that type of military involvement. But I suppose you never know. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, no, but I, I think it would be like mediation. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, there would be, especially NATO allies. I think North Atlantic Treaty Organization would be kind of, at least the countries of NATO would be obligated to perform some sort of mediation or perhaps even the United Nations, given that they're seated in New York City, yeah. um, might be might get involved in some sort of mediation. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, I, I don't think the military of like England is going to be. Yeah, States, so yeah I don't, I don't, happen. I don't. Yeah, let's not, let's not sow those types of, 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 of seeds of fear here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anything else? Nah, man. All right. Find us online, revolutionandideology.com. We're on Twitter at Rev and Ideology. If you're listening to this as a podcast, know that we also have a YouTube channel. Subscribe there and share our videos. Uh, Yeah, I'm Nick. Jared. Later.